0: Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. This podcast is brought to you by Northbound Gear. Northbound Gear is designed for maneuverability and durability, and is made to last through even the toughest of elements. My go-to for their pants is the water-resistant adventure pants and their lined waterproof jeans. I've worn them while out ice fishing, crawling through the woods bear hunting, and on the west coast out on the boat. And I even wear them around when I'm having a lazy day at the house. They are that comfortable. They also offer jackets, summer pants, backpacks, and many more. Men's and women's sizes are available, and by partnering with One Tree Planted, you're planting a tree with every purchase. Check them out for yourself at northboundgear.co, and when you use my promo code SHELDON15 at checkout, you'll receive 15% off your order. That's northboundgear.co and promo code SHELDON15. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. If you're new around here, I'm your host Sheldon Marion. And uh, some of you may know that this spring I sold my property out in Buick and I moved to a small little community up here in northern B.C., And, uh, the new area that I'm living in now, uh, you know, I'm fairly familiar with it in a way, uh, but I've never actually taken the time to really kind of explore the area. i have never really done much for hunting around here. Uh, I did quite a few years ago, but it was kind of down one road and I hiked down one trail and I ran into a cougar kind of a thing. And that was about it for me. So uh, now that I'm actually living here, uh, and I'm really just trying to, you know, plant my roots here and stuff, uh, I've been needing to really, really start to explore a new area. So that's what this podcast is all about, uh, is just checking on a new area, uh, going over kind of... All the new tips and tricks and technologies and stuff that we have nowadays. uh, Especially with like satellite imagery and stuff like that. You know, we... uh, The resources that we have now is just astronomical. Uh, You know, back in the day before we had like even internet and stuff. You had the odd book and things like that you could kind of look into. But for the most part, it was just boots on the ground. But nowadays... Uh, we're very fortunate uh, with some of the stuff that we have. Uh, you know, for me, the one thing I do a lot is I go on to Google Maps. Uh, and, man, the the stuff that you can see on Google Maps, especially when it comes to little, uh, you know, like little licks and little drop-offs or where there's, you know, little openings and stuff like that and clearings where if you're driving down the road... You would never know that looking off onto the one side that, you know, a 100 yards in there's a nice wide open clear patch. That would be a perfect little place to set up like a hunting blind or some sort of a mineral lick or, you know, something like that. And, you know, this isn't just for hunting. You know, this is for hunting, fishing, uh wilderness camping, uh, hiking, you know, the, the trail systems that you can find. On uh things like Google Maps and there's a lot of like trail apps as well nowadays too and uh it's just phenomenal, like the technology and resources that we have uh so you know I usually start with Google Maps, I just kind of look at the areas that I'm kind of wanting to go into, and I look to see what kind of road systems there are, what kind of pipelines or cut lines or natural trails and you, know, you can get some pretty pinpoint accurate uh, info from them too, especially if you use the uh, track distance uh, little feature that they have on there. Usually what you can do is you can take a pin, drop it on the map, and I think if you right click, you can go down to measure distance. So if you do see a, a little uh, clearing or something like that, You know, if there's a real certain bend on a road or something, you know where you have to stop. Because a lot of areas that I go, you just don't have any cell phone service. So I'll I'll kind of pinpoint where the, whatever, some sort of a feature is on the road. And then I can measure in a distance and it shows you which way you need to go. You know, like if you have to go a little southwest or northeast or whatever it is. And that way I can kind of, I can measure out how far it is. And then when you're out in the bush too, after a while you can kind of get a good sense of like what 100, 200, 300 yards is kind of a deal. Uh, when you start to get more into like a kilometer, then it, it gets a little tricky unless you have like a GPS with you. But uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll go on there and pretty well measure out some distances and see how far it is to a certain little clearing or something like that and then i just get out there and start walking uh some places you know i like to set up trail cameras or put up minerals and uh, you know you can also really start to tell kind of what some areas are gonna hold too once as you kind of get used to it you know that if you see some you know big rolling hills along a riverbank and you can see that it's poplar growing there there's a good chance there's going to be some elk maybe some whitetail in there uh if you can find a spot where it's real thick spruce kind of swampy country you can see like the little swampy lakes and stuff most likely there's going to be uh some good moose and bear sign in there and then uh you know I i take some screenshots so i have it on my phone for when i'm out there and basically, I just go for a drive, find where roughly I should be, and I just start walking. Uh, you know, there's, with all this technology that we have, uh, and all this, all the resources that we have, nothing beats the old-fashioned, just boots on the ground. Uh, another thing, speaking about technology and apps and all that stuff, uh, is OnX, X. Uh, you know, I personally haven't used it. Uh, it's one of those things where it's a, a pay to use app. Uh, and unfortunately I just, well, I think just recently it came available in Canada. So that was obviously holding me back at first. Uh, and now you can do like a free trial for, I want to say it was either seven or 30 days. And then after that, it automatically char- starts charging your credit card. And I can't remember what the price is. Whether it was like thirty bucks a year or something like that, or maybe seven bucks a month. But whatever it was, you know, I just I don't like paying for things that I can basically get for free off of like Google Maps now with Onyx. There are certain things you can actually see where your management unit lines are, and that's extremely important if you have. you know, like a draw or something like that. Or if you're hunting in one area where, say, Whitetail Buck is open, but on the other side of the road, which is a different management unit, Whitetail Buck is closed. And especially with the maps that we have now through, uh, like, our BC hunting regulations, uh, some of the areas are very easy to tell where the dividing line is. Uh, They don't necessarily tell you, uh, so you have to do your homework there. But a lot of times, it's either a road is the defining line or a river. But unfortunately, there's a lot of places where they go off the height of land. And it makes it extremely, extremely difficult, especially when you're in like a real hilly or mountainous place, Uh, you know, like Tumbler Ridge area. There's a couple of spots where it says, yeah, go off of the height of land. And you look at the lines, and it looks like the line kind of follows a road. And then all of a sudden, it just takes a right-hand turn, and it looks like it goes up on one of the hills. And then when you're out there, you're standing there, and there's like four rows of mountains. But you're not exactly too sure which one it is. So even though the hunting regulations uh, provides us with some maps, they're not the greatest at all, uh, unless it's a very defined one, like going up the mile 73 road. The the line is the mile 73 road up until you hit the bridge at the Blueberry River, and then it cuts off to the right, and now the line follows the Blueberry River. Uh, but with that even, I only know that because I lived in the area for so long And we've hunted in the area uh, even before I bought out there. So with that, I just, you know, I kind of knew the area and I knew what I was, uh, knew where I was, knew what I I was getting into kind of a deal. But uh, that's where other resources are extremely helpful, whether you just go in and talk to a conservation officer or fish cop, whatever you guys uh, call them, and actually get straight directly from the officer themselves on where the dividing line is or uh, for us up here in North Peace uh, area we have a survey company called uh, McElhaney I think that's the way you pronounce it everybody kind of pronounces it a little bit different but they have actual printed off maps and you can buy this map book and it is uh, it's maybe two feet wide and like a foot tall kind of a thing And there's maps for our entire region up here. And with those ones, uh, it shows private property. It shows where provincial parks are, uh, your management unit lines and everything like that. And it's an incredibly great book to have. Uh, The problem though, the last time I checked is they were a couple hundred dollars. So it's, it's pretty expensive. But it does help you out quite a bit. Uh, another issue with that book, though, is if certain properties get sold off, you know, you, it's, a, it's a book. It doesn't update itself kind of a thing. So that's where something like an app such as OnX is helpful. Uh, if you're looking for, uh, you know, to get permission to hunt on somebody's property kind of a thing. However, the McLeany uh map books, they they're a huge asset. Uh but again there is another setback with them. Because the book is so big, it's not uh not real easy to carry around with you in your vehicle while you're actually scouting or if you're out hiking or if it's in your quad or side by side kind of a thing. Because like like I said, this map book is huge. It's you know two feet wide right uh so then another book that i bought was the bc backroads map book i think that's what it's called and with that one it's very very similar to mcelaney's book uh except it's much smaller and it's actually manageable if you had it riding on the dash your truck it's not going to be that big of an issue uh with that one though it doesn't show you any uh private land it just shows you kind of trails roads uh your management unit lines and you know all the lakes and rivers and stuff like that in the area so it uh it helps out quite a bit especially if you're you're in an area where you don't really have to worry about private land uh but then again you know it's kind of when you're exploring new areas you kind of want all the info altogether i mean as good as google maps is you can see where there's a field but until you actually get out there you don't know if there's a property line summers you know like it it doesn't show you any lines like that at all uh one thing too that we have to be cautious about up here in the north is that there is random plots of private property kind of scattered throughout there's been plenty of times where i've been driving down what seems just like an old back road logging road or whatever and then all of a sudden there's a fence now with fencing and private land uh we also have grazing leases out here and with the grazing lease it's not necessarily private property pretty well what it is is just like a a fenced off piece of crown land which is owned by like the crown council like owned by the government and it's public land uh but you have permission to uh to let your cattle graze on that property from i can't remember what it is kind of like may to the end of october or first of october something like that and the the only problem I have with that is when it comes to private land the only way you know where private land is, is if it's fenced, uh, cultivated, or posted private property. So if it has one of those three, you can kind of, sort of classify it as uh, private property. But when it comes to grazing leases, they're already fenced, but they're not private. So that's where When you go back to something like the McElhaney map books, it's nice to know that, hey, I ran across this fence a kilometer, whatever, kilometer nine, there's a fence. Is this private or is this just a grazing lease? And even when it comes to grazing leases, even though I would, don't take this, you know, 100%, but I'm pretty sure you can still hunt in there and you can access the land the problem is though is like you might be surrounded by cattle uh so <laughs> you gotta be pretty careful with that uh I know out in like ingle Lake country, there's a lot of uh grazing leases out there, but out there, I don't think we've ever not hunted out there uh it's a great spot for well it used to be a great spot now there's a lot of a lot of people that kind of go out there, so it's pretty crowded. But, uh, yeah, I I still go and hunt chickens out there. Last year, no, I didn't go out there last year. Two years ago, I went out there and shot a pile of chickens. You know, you drive across the cattle guard, and you're in a fenced off piece. But out there, I know where the grazing leases are. So, uh, you know, I went out there and hunt chickens. But that's also because... I've been a local in that area for so long. I kind of know where the private property is. And it's one of those things too where you don't want to be kind of arrogant. If I run upon a fence somewhere and I'm not too sure if it's private or just a grazing lease, I just act as if it's private land and I just go away. I walk away from it and uh, just stay clear because like there's um you know millions of acres that we can hunt and fish and and uh, hike on you know the last thing i want to be doing is creating a headache for myself and potentially getting like a bunch of fines and maybe your rifle and truck taken away just because you didn't want to take the time to to properly find out if it was private property or if it was a lease Or if you're even allowed to hunt on that certain lease, I don't really know the ins and outs of uh, cattle grazing and all that. So the one spot that I do go into, I know that you can go into it. Uh, If there's some other spot, you know, I just I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Another tool that we have that uh, we can use quite a bit, and uh, lately I haven't actually been using them overly too much, just because. I kind of got tired of Buick country, to be honest with you. But uh, trail cameras nowadays are an absolute game changer. The only ones that I don't like are the ones that are the cellular ones. I think those are cheating and uh, quite frankly, it should be outlawed, uh, especially during hunting season. I don't like them whatsoever. But the ones where you have to actually walk out there and pull the card and check it all, I think they're an absolute amazing tool. Uh, you know, they're, I wouldn't say cheap, but you can buy, the ones that I got, I think it's a three pack for like 150 bucks or something like that, they're not the highest quality, but you can still do pictures and videos, there's no sound on it or anything like that, but for the most part, you know, like a little 8 megapixel trail camera, that's good enough for me, if I get one that's a 12 megapixel, you know, who uh, that's a, that's a fancy one for me but you know when it comes to trail cameras I don't you know I don't need the real high-tech fancy ones I don't need a perfectly crystal clear image of the animals that are walking through a certain trail or if there's a lick or a little watering hole kind of thing or even if it's something that I put up there like a mineral site or a bunch of oats or something like that for deer you know like for me I just I just like to get a good rough idea as to kind of what's going through the area. So, yeah, the cameras that I have, you know, it's nothing fancy, whether it's point, Primos, Bushnell, Wild Game Innovations. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure all of them have like their top high-end, really expensive ones. And then they also have the other side of the spectrum, where it's guys like me, where it's like, Yeah, this thing cost me fifty bucks or eighty bucks or whatever. Uh, You know, it just it gives you a good idea as to what's kind of coming through there. You know, I'm I'm not being a photographer and selling pictures to National Geographic with a trail camera, right? Uh, So, with trail cameras, they're quick and easy to set up. Uh, SD cards, usually you buy them and they last you years. Uh, The only thing that's really expensive is the batteries for them. Uh, A lot of them will take like eight AA batteries. Uh, Some take, uh, the one I have, I think it takes four C batteries. And that's like the big, big, fat, round ones. And, uh, you know, when it comes to trail cameras, really, if you're just using them kind of, spring summer and fall just kind of get an idea as to what's around in the area you really don't have to worry about how long batteries last and or or how well they do in cold weather uh for me you know i might set mine up in may and i'll probably pull them around maybe november possibly december depending on how much snow there is Uh, especially for us up here because for the majority our hunting season is is over at the end of november so i don't really in a way, I don't really care what's there throughout the winter. You know, December, January, February, March, and eh, maybe April, I start to care a little bit. But those colder months, I'm not out there hunting, so why would I have a camera out there? Is kind of, you know, my way of thinking for that. But with trail cameras too, you know, like I said, they're quick and they're easy to set up. You can leave them out for a day, a week, a month, as long as you have the batteries going, you constantly have, in a way, you constantly have like a surveillance system sitting there. And anytime something walks by there, you can see. And it's also an extremely helpful tip. Uh, You can see kind of, you know, like the health of the animals in the area too. Uh, Especially if it's like a really well-used trail. Not only will you see the deer or elk or moose going through there, you can also get an, an understanding of like the predators in the area too. Uh, if it's a high predator area where there's a ton of wolves or coyotes or bears coming through there. Uh, you're going to know that hunting them. Like hunting the ungulates like your deer, moose and elk and whatever. It's going to be roughly. Uh, it's going to be a little rough to be honest with you. Because if there's a high population of predators in the area. Those animals are always going to be turned on they're never going to be just taking a you know sunday walk through the park kind of thing they're always going to be looking out they're always going to be looking over their shoulder because the second they let their guard down you know a pack of wolves are going to come in on them or that black bear in the area might come up and grab one of the calves kind of a thing you know what i mean so it takes You know, it doesn't take, like, a rocket scientist to kind of put these two things together. But if you're in an area where you have a thousand pictures on your shell camera, 900 of them are deer, 10 of them are bears, and then the rest is just wind. That's a good area to hunt deer. And you you can be pretty kind of slack in uh, better terms. You know what I mean? Like, you don't... uh, you don't have to quite be uh, how do you explain it you don't really have to be turned on as much you know you can kind of just casually walk in there sit down and you know sit back 100 yards at, as long as you have a nice clear shooting path kind of a thing and uh, you know it's not nearly as bad i know a lot of people they take their stuff extremely seriously and it's to the point where they're like paranoid you know they they drive out before they even check their trail cameras they treat it as if they're they're hunting so they're they have all their camouflage in like a, a plastic bag in the box of the truck so they strip down their regular clothes they put on all this camo they spray down with scent spray They spray down their boots, the bottom of their boots, they walk in there, they don't make any noise whatsoever, they grab the card, they put a new one in, they get out of there as fast as possible. And even while they're there, you know, they're spraying the ground down where they, they were standing. And for me, I think that just makes hunting so much harder. I would rather have the animals get used to my smell. I'll go out there just... Jeans, shoes, shirt, whatever. I'll bring my dogs with me. And it's, in a way, it takes a little bit longer for the animals to get used to you. But after a while, they kind of realize, like, this smell that they're smelling, whether it's, you know, the dog or me or the air fresher in my truck, whatever it is, they start to realize that it's not a threat because it's something that they kind of get familiar with. And they smell it you know fairly often here and there but nothing bad has ever happened to them when they smell it and then when it comes time to hunting season you're sitting there in a blind or on the ground or up in your tree stand or whatever they walk in there they smell that smell but it's it's a familiar smell so and they're not quite as uh fearful you know they they do kind of put up the guard a little bit and they kind of start looking around but for the most part, they're like, ah, I've smelled this before a hundred times. It's, it's whatever. You kind of got to look over your shoulder a little bit, but it's not nearly as bad where the other guys who take all these precautions and they spray down absolutely everything. They try to leave as little scent as possible. When they end up do going in there and hunting, you know, like that scent spray stuff, it, it does help, but it's not going to mask everything. So, I mean, like, you almost have to soak your clothes and that stuff for it to really properly work so if you're sitting out there and you're blind or tree stand or whatever it is that you're doing and the wind shifts just that little bit and that deer elk moose bear whatever it is that you're hunting gets that little sniff of human or dog or air freshener exhaust whatever they instantly get fearful because they've never smoked it before or if they have it's been just the slightest little trace of it so now they they smell it they panic and they run out of there where me i can sit there a doe will come in with her fawn or whatever the case may be she kind of gets a little sniff of that but she goes yeah you know i smelled this the last time i came in here and ate these you know oats or this corn that magically showed up and uh you know they almost start to kind of put two and two together that this weird human smell is also what comes after the corn is on the ground, so, and they, you know, they're relaxed, but, yeah, that's just, uh, that's just one more fancy tool that we can use while we're scouting a new area, Uh, you know, sometimes when I'm scouting a new area, too, I've done, like, mock hunts, where I've taken either the blind out, or I've just taken a lawn chair out, or whatever, and I've just sat on like a bit of an overlook or if you can, uh, if you know that there's a lick down in the bottom of a hill. There's been times I just take a book or even my phone with like a game on it or whatever. Starting to sound like a kid now. But, you know, I've just went out and I've just spent the day just sitting there and seeing what comes in. You know, say I have three or four trail cameras and I've already set them up and I noticed this little lick on the way home. I just kind of put it in the back of my mind. I should come out here and check this out. Because my jail cameras are already set up. And you know I don't want to spend another $100 on another camera. So yeah I just do it the old fashioned way. Walk in there. Start walking down game trails. And pay attention to the tracks that are on there. How fresh they are. See if there's any uh, scrapes and rubs and stuff like that on trees. And uh, you know even in the winter time. Even though my my trail cameras aren't out in the winter if you do know where certain trails are go for a walk and uh, you know see where their winter grounds are because a lot of times their spring summer fall and winter grounds are all completely different uh in the winter there's a lot of times they move completely out of an area and uh, they hang out in a spot where they have their food sources Uh, there's low pressure they can sit there and just do their thing until the springtime when they have their uh, calves and fawns and then come summertime you know they kind of move out of that area and they go to maybe it's more of a richer food source or maybe it's potentially like a water source like a lick or mineral licks and stuff and then come fall time is when they start to really kind of travel around so they kind of have like their Their bedding ground over here, their breeding grounds are over here, somewhere in the middle. There might be a little bit of a water lick that they kind of stop in at as they're passing through. And, uh, you know, with that, to find those spots, you can use all these other resources like Google Maps, McElhaney, BC Backroads, and all that stuff. But for those ones, that's when trail cameras on the trails or you just putting boots on the ground and going out there and hiking really, really pays off, and uh, you know over the course of honestly a few years, uh, you'll really start to pinpoint where some of these animals are hanging out. Uh, you know that's a problem I've seen quite a few times. Is somebody not quite from the area? You know whether they're from Prince George, Vancouver, Kamloops, Kelowna, or whatever. You know they'll put their name in for one of our draws up here. They get the draw, and then the first thing they do is they get onto Facebook and say, hey, I got the, whatever, cow elk draw for this winter, can anybody help me out, and it's like, well, maybe you should come up here and do your, do your scouting, like, it is, uh, it is kind of hard, and I understand where they're coming from, you know, they, they do want to get out there, and they do want to hunt, but uh, I honestly don't think Facebook should be one of your resources uh, for scouting. Uh, especially if you're kind of from a different area. Uh, You know, we put in a lot of time and effort, us up north and people down south too, whether you're a hunter or a fisherman or whatever, you know, I can't just roll into the port of Vancouver and say, hey, I'm here to catch a salmon. Where do you go? You know what I mean? So it's kind of the same thing with people coming up north. But, uh, you know, it's not the best resource to use. And I mean, you can make friends with some people and you can get some info. But for the most part, uh, it's it's a pretty hard one to uh, to really justify using. But uh, yeah, now that we're up here and we're actually living here this spring, I had three weeks off of work. Uh, A part of that was still moving my stuff to the new house and then for pretty well two and a half weeks uh I got a bear the first day that I went out but then after that I've been just driving like crazy. I get onto Google Maps, I look at certain roads and certain trails and really this first year that I've I've been here it's been mainly just kinda getting to know some of the roads. And then from some of the roads next year, maybe we'll explore some pipelines and cut lines. And then after that, we, you know, like the year three, we'll narrow it down to trails. Year four, it'll be certain watering holes and mineral licks. And, you know, it it takes a serious amount of time to really pinpoint where you want to go, what you want to hunt, what you're going after, what animals are in the area, how much predators there are. And then it also takes a lot of time to figure out uh, how much... Uh, pressure there is from other hunters too because you got to think while you're doing all this and you're collecting all this data and you're going out there and checking all these roads and stuff you're not the only hunter you're not the only fisherman you're not the only camper you're not the only hiker in the area either so and you know if you're if you're looking for like say a place to camp you might find a nice little open grassy patch in a spot down a road somewhere, and you go, wow, that looks like a beautiful place. Come September, honestly, there could be a dozen trailers there because it's the same group of elk hunters that come up from down south year after year after year, and they've been here for 20 years, and they know the area way better than you do kind of a thing, right? So, I mean, uh, yeah, with that being said, while you're scouting out a new area, you can't have your heart set on just one little spot. And that's where, for me, uh, and, well, a lot of other people too, it can be a little tiresome because you look at a map and I'm not going down this one road and checking out one spot. I'm going all over the country, whether I'm going up, you know, Williston Lake, Farrell Creek, Burl Prairie, Tumbler Ridge, Chetwin Pine Pass, Hudson Hope, you know, I'm covering so much ground because like I said, if you just pick whatever Feral Creek, that's where I'm gonna hunt. You know, this one very specific area. If you go in there in September, you're gonna realize real quick that there's a lot of elk hunters up there. And there's a lot of pressure put on them animals and you're you might get lucky or you might get real irritated and go, Man, I can't believe I spent you know, the last six, seven, eight months, really looking at Google Maps, and OnX, and McElhaney Maps, and BC Backroads, and looking at all this stuff, and then come to find out, you know, it's is littered with hunters, and now you have to start from square one at a completely different area where you don't even know where the main road is let alone any side roads or pipelines or cut lines or licks and stuff like that that you found on google maps so now you're sitting there in your holiday trailer in your tent at night going well where should we explore tomorrow i got five days off of work and today's day three and i don't know what i'm doing where i'm going kind of thing so it uh, it takes a lot of years a lot of time a lot of patience a lot of money uh, To really pinpoint new areas. But eventually. You know you set up your roots And uh, you know you just kind of. Go from there. But anyways guys. Hopefully this uh, kind of gives you. A bit of an inside look. As to how my mind gets wrapped around. Some of this stuff. And uh, some of the tools that I use. Uh, with the exception of OnX. I haven't used that uh, app yet. Uh, if you guys have used it, uh, especially in Canada, because it, um, i I want to say it, it's fairly new to Canada. If you guys have used it and it's actually worth your time and, and money to get it, please let me know. And, uh, it'll be just one more resource in my pocket that I can use. But, uh, yeah, if this helped you out at all, make sure you hit the like button, leave me a comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, if you're just listening to this, uh, I would really appreciate it. If you went over to our YouTube channel and subscribed, uh, over there, we got all sorts of uh, hunting, fishing, exploring, harvesting, berry picking, uh, camping. You know, we got a little bit, a little bit of uh, everything for everyone over there. So uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed this, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.